COVID-19, oh, we need a vaccine at this moment. It means everything. Please wear your mask and stay six feet back. Total shutdown. COVID-19. From Playhouse Square, it's two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Featuring professional rugby player and podcaster, Zach Strickler. And now, here to make a love connection, Ted Klopp and Ken Dworsen. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland back and feeling better than ever, Ted, as we head to episode 22. I know we have a great show coming up. But there is a topic that I wanted to bring up that I think a lot of people are dealing with right now. Yeah. People driving erratically, deranged, and a lot of road rage. Now, you did describe to me not too long ago that you had a little bit of a road rage incident. I don't think we're looking for all the details, but to give us a basic idea of what happened to you. Okay, so I was in the... Two-lane road. I was in the right-hand lane. We were at a stop sign. Car pulls up next to me. I think they're going to turn right. They don't. They go around me and cut me off. So I halt, you know, because I got cut off. And they stuck their finger out the window and gave me half the peace sign. Okay. You're number one. You know, that's, I'm thinking that's the end of it. Well, this person's in front of me. I go to turn onto another street. They were going to go right, I was going to go left, and then they jumped around and stayed in front of me. This goes on for a while. We get to a stop sign. They just sit there. So I went around them, and they gave me half the peace sign again, and they tried to speed up and, you know, cut me off, but I had a little better pickup. So I'm coming down a street near my house, and they get up right behind me, and I slowed down to, well, I was trying to decide if I should pull into my driveway or not. Do I let these people know where I live? And they rear-ended me. Oh, my God. Now, when you rear-end somebody, normally you stop, exchange information, see if everybody's okay, right? So I get out of my car. This person, this is a young girl with two other folks in the car, throws it in reverse, peels backwards, turns down the street, and peels away. Wow. That's crazy. Fortunately for me, I was not hurt. No uh, damage to the vehicle of any great note, but very frustrating. I would certainly say that is. Well, first and foremost, one, I'm glad you weren't hurt. Two, I'm glad the other people weren't hurt or anything like that. But the other thing that I I think that we all need to make, make sure we're aware of is that road rage can lead to crazy things. And at times when, and this has happened to me, and I know this has happened to many different people, You don't know the situation of the person in the car that's next to you or cuts you off or anything like that. And the other situation that we now run into is that we don't know if any of these people are carrying weapons or anything like that. And I I had a, a bit of a rude awakening not too long ago myself where, you know, someone cut me off and I was all ticked off. And um, my fiance basically said, you know, you really need to settle down because you really don't know who is in that car and what they can do. And it is so true. Now, Ted, I obviously the situation you were in, 
I imagine was probably a little bit scary, not knowing the people behind you and all that. I know one thing for myself, anytime I've ever been followed or anything of that sort, and obviously there's been times that's happened where, you know, sometimes you might possibly cut somebody off or anything like that. The best thing you can do when someone's behind you, one, they say never go to your house. Number two, just drive to the closest gas station. I mean, we all have GPSs. We all have phones now. That, that in itself is the best thing you could do. Most of those people, when they see you and they understand, okay, he's driving to the police station or I just, you know, I need to lock this off. Now, if they want to continue to follow you and all that stuff, God bless them. But yeah. that's really the recommendations that I've been told at times. But yeah, we all get frustrated behind the wheel. But I'll tell you, it is extremely dangerous on the highways. Uh-huh. I hate to say this, in downtown Cleveland. I mean, people are just doing whatever they want to do and feel as though it's okay to do that. And I just warn everyone, friends, family, anyone listening to this podcast, please be careful when you're on the road. You need to be defensive as opposed to offensive. Right. Well, I think, unfortunately, everybody's realizing that crime is on the rise in general in our society. And do the police have time for some little fender bender or a road rage incident? No. Sure. So the two things that I wish I would have done differently, instead of slowing down, I probably should have just driven around the block or like you said, driven to a gas station. And when I first figured out that this person was messing with me, I should have at that point pulled my cell phone out and taken a picture of their license plate. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know that there was much, I mean, I guess I could have not honked, but. It's the natural reaction. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that's. I think anybody in that situation would have. Honked. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say no. I wouldn't have honked. No, right. God knows, I would have honked probably louder than you. So. Well, enough about that little bit of disappointment and frustration. Let's talk about the show this week. We have a professional rugby player that we're going to talk to this week. Ken, do you know the rules of rugby? I am going to have to be brought up to date on what the rules are. I have a basic idea how the game works, but I am definitely not an expert. But I do know this. I am not tough enough to play rugby. No, I would agree. That's a real man sport. Also, you will not believe when investigators found being recycled for free sale in Vietnam. But we're going to tell you in Klopp's Clips. Plus, we have a misspeak of the week. Hear ye, hear ye. take a look at a bizarre law now in Massachusetts it's illegal to tell fortunes without certification yes a fortune teller must live in Massachusetts for at least one year in order to apply for a license of course a fortune teller should probably be able to know if gaining such a license would result in good fortune Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be 
heard on Spotify, Apple and Podcast, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Blah, blah, blah. 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 It's now time for our Let's Talk segment. Today's guest is a graduate of Padua Franciscan High School and attended Washington Jefferson University as well as Cleveland State University. He was an outstanding athlete in high school, which included all conference honors in baseball, football, and ice hockey. He was named Mr. Bruin his senior year as the top athlete in the school. He now competes, get this, as a professional rugby player, where he has played for the Ohio Aviators, New Orleans Gold, and most recently signed by the New England Free Jackets. And by the way, he also started his own very successful podcast this year called What Do You Do? Let's talk with the multi-talented Zach Striffler. Zach, how are you today, sir? Well, you know what? I was going all right, but after hearing that, I'm I'm going much better. Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? up now, right? Good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ken, I have a question for you. Please. What are the two of us doing on here with him? Oh, that's a great question. How much did you pay him, Ted? Because I'll be honest with you, my funds are a little low right now. So, First question. I mean, after having a very successful high school career, you're a great athlete in many different sports. Obviously, as we talked about in baseball, football, and ice hockey, that's what I remember you in. Now you're involved competing in rugby. And did you ever think you'd be doing it professionally? How in the heck did this whole thing start? I didn't even know what rugby was when I was in high school. A few of the guys were playing for the local, the Parma Blackhearts. So a few of the football boys would play there in the springtime. In regards to me actually playing, it was the farthest thing from my mind. I knew nothing about it. I just knew it looked fun and physical. So that was kind of my MO. But getting into it, I, I went to college, like you said, at Washington Jefferson College. And I had the opportunity to study abroad my junior year. So I spent a semester in Australia. And that's where I, I picked up the game. It was mainly just me working out in the gym and then seeing a bunch of bros in there with the short shorts. And I go, you know, started striking up conversations. They said, well, come out to uh, training. And so I came out, you know, I was just looking to make friends, get like around the guys. And I got hooked and it has been absolutely nonstop pedal down since. So not a lot of folks in the U.S. are probably fairly familiar with rugby. They may have seen Australian rules, football, things like that. But Zach, can you talk about what a preseason looks like, what you do to get ready for a season and things like that? Well, in terms of like the physical preparation, it's similar to any sport. You know, you want to pay attention to the weights and the nutrition and the conditioning. The biggest thing that I found a difference in, in preparing for a, say, a football season in comparison to a rugby season is the aerobic capacity that you're asked to have to endure throughout the course of the game. Unlike football, where there's plays and the whistle blows every few seconds, 30 seconds or so. Rugby is a full 80-minute game, and there are no substitutions in that if you get subbed off, you can't come back on. Mm. So once you're off, you're off. So there's only seven subs per team, and so eight guys are going to play 80 minutes. Seven guys are going to play, you know, whatever a fraction of the game is. So the biggest thing is being aerobic capacity. You have to build that up. So that's the hardest bit, and what I found was the most difficult in the transition, but – 
I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed going to the dark places and, and just running to, for running's sake. And I hate running. Yeah. I didn't have sport to do it. Yeah. If I didn't, if I didn't have sport, I would not a chance. I'd be running. I'd be skating or rollerblading or bike riding for any type of fitness, but yeah, running's brutal. Now that I'm older and I think tech could speak to this too. The only running that I think him and I do is when we're being chased by children or if we think we're in trouble, that's it. That's all we got going here. How much has the COVID-19 epidemic affected your season and maybe your workout? It absolutely flipped it on its head. And, and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced something similar to that. But our season ended five weeks in. We played in New Orleans on a Saturday. We were meant to have our first home match of the season playing in Boston. We didn't even get a home match in. Canceled our season in March and sent us home. And we had quite a few international guys on the team and they, they shipped them out. Guys, you got to go home. You got to go back. And so picked up and left. In terms of the working out, you know, the gym's closed. And so we actually built a gym and a garage. I built a squat rack, built a platform, just needed something to do and activities to do. And like I said, I'm not going to go out and run for running's sake. So I need something to do exercise-wise. So that's what we went there. Professional rugby player. Is this something you get paid to do or you want a contract with a team? How does that work? Yeah, so uh, the contracts work on a seasonal basis. I've been fortunate enough to – you know, this is just been, like you guys said, I've played four seasons so far. Uh, there's a brand new league, the uh, US MLR, Major League Rugby, that's just starting up. It's going to be in its fourth year in 2021. Very new. So in terms of money-wise, it's not you're not going to see big four money like the NFL. But it's enough to give a reason to go out and keep playing and to continue to put off having an adult job. <laughs> yeah, that's how God I see it. God bless you, man. God yeah, bless that's you. how I see it. <laughs> Who was some of the people that were very influential for you as coaches growing up? And then who are those that you give credit for your success? Ooh, that's a great question. First and foremost, in terms of coaching growing up, it was always my old man. He always coached our youth baseball, didn't know anything about basketball, coached our basketball, our CYO basketball. So pretty much anything he said was gold in my eyes, you know, being the son and he was my old man. I looked up to him for everything. So him growing up. And then when I got to high school, Padua coach Doug Hauser kind of flipped the script for me for coaches. I've always been a bit combative with coaches or authoritative figures. And he was kind of the first guy I saw who could coach and then could go out and do it better than any of the players. And that, that held weight for me. And that's kind of how I modeled how I like to coach or how I'm working with somebody. If I can do it, there's no excuse why you can't do it. And if I'm telling you to do it, I could do it myself. And that's what Doug kind of showed me. So he, he was the man for that. So you recently had a change in your personal life, getting married to your fiance, big life change for anybody. Do you have any good dating stories, wedding stories? We're always, we're always interested in bizarre or unique relationship stories here on our show. Yeah, well, the fact that she's still with me is bizarre in itself. Um, so, so, so there's that. Uh, we met at grad school in – it's, it's good now. We went to, we got our, like you mentioned, Cleveland State. We both went to Cleveland State. We have our master's in exercise science. Neither of us work in exercise. Nice to take out a student loan to find a wife. That's how we look at it now. <laughs> Instead of beating ourselves up over the fact that we have to pay these student loans out. We're like, oh, well, you know, we, we, we found each other. So that in itself is nice. So yeah, but I'm absolutely floored that she's still with me up to this point for the things that I put that poor woman through. Zach, are you familiar with eHarmony? Because I'm not sure if you've done the math, but a subscription to eHarmony is a little less expensive than a student loan. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> they, unfortunately, we weren't into that game yet. You know, oh, okay. the the, right, the online dating wasn't happening yet. But you know, regrettably, <laughs> earlier this year, you started your own podcast, which I just think is outstanding. Called "What Do You Do?" You've recorded over thirty episodes, and it's a great podcast. I've had the opportunity to listen to many different episodes. How did you come up with this great idea? Well, this was another quarantine project. It was something that I've been kicking around for a few years. And, and I finally just did it. Since I graduated from college, I've had over 20 different jobs. And these aren't just like odds and ends jobs. I've worked, filled out tax forms for these jobs. I haven't found anything that I really liked or that I stuck with. And my thing was, look, reading a job description, it never really told you what you do during the day. It gave you your responsibilities and your generalities. And I never quite understood what somebody does. I always caution myself whenever I meet somebody new and I shake their hand. I never ask, what do you do? Because I don't have enough time to listen to it. And, and I doubt somebody wants to tell me. So I want to know what every single job does, what my friends do during the day. I see them at night, but what do you do during the day? What's your life look like? What do you, you sit in front of a computer? Who are you talking to? And the grasp to want to, to figure out what everybody's doing. How do you make a living? What is eight, 40 hours of your week doing? That's just kind of pushed me into it. And I've got, you know, just like anybody, you've got tons of friends and I want to know what the heck you do during the day. What is the one interesting job that you learned about that you really didn't know about after doing one of your episodes? I'd say probably one of the most far out things is I had a kid on another Padua grad, Matty Hartman, another hockey player. Oh, yeah, I remember Matt. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was a radiology liaison. And I was like, Matty, what does that even do? His job, he was connecting doctors with radiology departments or reading scans. And I'm like, Matt, this is technically like you're in an emergency situation. Like, do you know any of this stuff? He goes, no. All I know is when a doctor calls me, I'm upset. I say, yes, sir. No, sir. And I connect him to who he has to get connected to immediately. And, and that was one of the things I'm like, I wouldn't even think that you would need that position. You know, it doesn't seem like, yeah, just the radiology department, the doctor, they just work together. But he was kind of the middleman for the entire thing. So that was, it was kind of cool to hear that. And it's something that you would never like I doubt Matt walked up to somebody who was a lawyer, like, oh, hey, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. Oh, what do you do? I'm a radiology liaison. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It was, it was a far yeah. out job title. So really interesting. Uh huh. So I got a kick out of that one. So this podcast, is this kind of a research project for you to, when you're done playing rugby, to find that adult job that we talked about earlier? <laughs> it's a great way for me to reconnect with my friends, connect with family and and a great way for me to meet people that are out in the job force. It's basically me just vetting what kind of jobs I don't want to do or do want to do. Yeah, that's all it is. Crossing off the list. Yeah, Got just it. figuring out where I think I might fit. And, you know, it's, I don't know if I found it yet. All right, now we have some deep journalistic penetrating questions. I hope you're ready for these. Ken Dworznik, was he the best athletic director ever at Padua High School? Ever? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I told my dad that I was going to, I had a podcast um, that I was going to be on your guys' show. And he goes, oh, I go, dad, remember Ken Dorsnick? He goes, yeah, of course I do. He was pumped. I had breakfast with him this morning. He was excited. All right. Now here's the follow-up to that. Do you have any stories about Ken as a athletic director that you can share with us here? I don't. I don't, I don't know if I would know any inappropriate stories of, well, well, of the that's, gentleman that's you're referring cool. to. Well, you must not know Ken very well, but anyhow. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I don't know if I could pick one out. I just knew he was always there. He was a big hockey supporter, and I dug that because the hockey players always got kind of not necessarily a bad rap, 
but we were lazy as a as a population <laughs> at at Padua especially and we he always had our back so that that always meant a lot to us well Zach thanks for taking the time with us and thanks for helping embarrass me today I appreciate that <laughs> I thought it did pretty good you did great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, can you join us in just a bit for a game called Who Am I? in which you will compete against Mr. Klopp and try to guess the Cleveland theme person, place, or thing. I would be honored. And now, a woman's perspective. You can always tell when a man is about to say something smart because the sentence begins with, my wife once told me. This has been a woman's perspective. Here's our misspeak of the week. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden was speaking to the U.S. Conference of Mayors over the weekend and talked about his career in the Senate. From the time I got to the Senate 180 years ago, <laughs> you know, as well as my tenure as vice president. Apparently, the vice president has located the fountain of youth. That is the misspeak of the week. Ted Klopp here for Westminster AV, offering custom audio-visual packages for all occasions, including business meetings, weddings, graduations, banquets, and more. So if you're looking to transform an in-person event to virtual, Westminster AV has a variety of solutions for you. Pharmaceutical companies hosting dinner events can find plenty of professional support from Westminster AV. No event too big nor too small. More information can be found by going to westminsteravcom or give them a call 216-325-6960. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, joining us once again is Zach Striffler, and he's going to play Who Am I against Ted Klopp. Zach, once again, professional rugby player and podcast host of What Do You Do? All right, gentlemen, I'm basically going to give you five clues. And after these five clues, you and Ted will try to name this person, place, or thing that is Cleveland-based. And then if for some reason you don't get it after the five, I do have multiple choice. Does that sound good? I dig it. Okay. First clue. I was born in 1972, and I am a native Northeast Ohioan. If you get it after that, then I'm just going to stop. <laughs> we'll go on to clue number two in this sport that i competed in i was drafted by buffalo in 1991 and attended a college in ohio That's clue number two clue number three i was named the top player in this sport my senior season and went on to play for three different professional teams besides Buffalo. That's clue number three. Clue number four. This person played in 52 playoff games and wrapped up their professional career in 2004. I think I know this. And the last clue, this person was the first Ohio native to play for this professional team. Just give you a reminder, this person was born in 1972, a native of Northeast Ohio, 
the sport this person competed in. They were drafted by Buffalo in 1991 and attended a college in Ohio. This person was named the top player in their sport their senior season and went on to play for three di different professional teams besides Buffalo. This person played in 52 playoff games and wrapped up their professional career in 2004. And finally, this person was the first Ohio native to play on this professional team. Do either of you gentlemen have a guess of a person? If not, I can go to multiple choice. Padua grad, isn't it? I'm not giving any clues. Oh. Just give me a name. I don't. Uh, I will need multiple choice. And Zach, then do we want to roll the multiple choice just so Ted has a chance? Yeah, bring I think it. You, I think I, you're going to know Mo this. But. Yeah, multiple choice me. Okay. Multiple choice. A, Michael Rupp. B, Dave Ragone. C, Brian Holzinger. Or D, Desmond Howard. Michael Rupp, Dave Ragone, Brian Holzinger, or Desmond Howard? How do you want to do this, Ted? You want to go beauty before age? You want to start up? Wait a minute. <laughs> did, did you hear what he said, Ken? <laughs> I heard what he said. I, I don't need to take that kind of abuse here on the show. I can go home and get that abuse anytime I want to. <laughs> Ted, this is why this podcast is audio only. I'm just yeah. looking at that. Nobody wants to look at this. All right, Zach, go ahead so I can copy your answer. I mean, I'll come up with my answer in a minute. Go go ahead. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go with um, with Brian Holzinger for 500, Ken. Okay. Huh? Mr. Klopp? Well, I have it narrowed down to Brian Holzinger or Dave Ragone, but I, I don't know where either of them went to college or, or high school. So. Well, at least I know you're not cheating. That's yeah. Uh, <laughs> just to be different, I'll go with Dave Ragone. Dave Ragone. Okay. Well, the correct choice was the Padua grad, Here Brian Holsinger. <laughs> Zach, congratulations on the win. I'm now, excited. during your time, you had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with Brian. Did you not? When you come to your practices and things like that, and, and spend time at games? Yeah, he he was uh, was a big push to sort out the dressing room, the locker room in Strongsville. That's he right. Was a, he was a big force behind that, and we had the the nicest locker room by far in the city. Oh, that thing fantastic. was unbelievable. Yeah. It was yes, unreal. That was, that was just unreal. What Coach yeah. Hauser did, and then Kevin Lee was involved with that. He was the one mm -hmm. that kind of put that whole thing together as well with Brian and those guys. Yeah, that yeah. that locker room was professional. That was super nice. Yeah. No doubt. And Ken, just to be clear, Brian Holzinger played for the Buffalo Sabres, right? Mm -hmm. That is correct. Okay. All right. And okay. he won the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy in hockey. He was the wow. Hobie Baker winner at, at when he played at BG. Bowling Green. Yeah. At Bowling Green. Yep. Great player. Really was. Great player. Well, nice job there, Zach. I clearly need to listen to more of the younger generation here. Now, before I comb any more of my gray hair, can you tell me where we'll find your podcast? Yeah. Um, so you guys could really any platform, um, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, just go ahead and search What Do You Do? And then if you can't find it there, find me on Facebook, What Do You Do? I've got an Instagram, What Do You Do pod. Uh, that's my Instagram handle. Um, so look it up. Guys, just want to say thanks so much, you know, for the opportunity to be on your show. Uh, I have listened to a few, and I I'm, I'm find myself laughing to myself. So, you know, you guys got a great thing going on, and, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Zach, thank you so much. A pleasure to talk with you, and I'm glad you're doing so well. And uh, 
keep up the professional rugby. Try to do that as long as you can, for God's sake. Because working every day, it's not fun. I'm not going to lie. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Avoid an adult job as long as possible. Oh, believe me, I am. <laughs> Just don't, yeah, don't share that with my wife. I don't know how this she'll is... feel about that. Where'd that come from? We look at common expression and its history. This week, it's caught red-handed. This comes from an old English law that ordered any person to be punished for butchering an animal that wasn't his own. The only way the person could be convicted is if he was caught with the animal's blood on his hands. Not terribly pleasant, but caught red-handed. Now you know where that came from. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. to date on the really important news happening this week. It is Klopp's Clips, and Ken, we're going to begin right here in our hometown. Great news. Cleveland is the poorest big city in America. Oh, boy. I guess we could say we're number one about something, right? Oh, boy. This marks the first time since 2010 that Detroit has fallen from its throne in this area. Ironically, Cleveland's poverty rate actually improved from 2018 to 2019, but other big cities like Detroit improved even more. U.S. Census data shows that 33.1% of Clevelanders were living in poverty in 2018. That dropped to 30.8% in 2019, but Detroit also improved to 30.6%. Poverty is defined as a family of three making less than $21,330 a year. Boy, that's a sad number, but I, I hate to say it, it's, it's not that surprising. If you have the opportunity to, to go around downtown Cleveland and different areas, unfortunately, just because of everything going on, I've had more and more people around and seen more and more people around that are homeless. And we can only hope that number changes as unemployment starts to go down and things like that. But uh, I, I'm not surprised to, to, to hear that. Well, that's depressing. Now, this is a little different story. Follow this now. A Reddit user shared this story about passing his time during the lockdown. A friend asked him who his favorite adult film star was. This user decided documented research was in order. So over six weeks, he compiled a spreadsheet of more than 250 contenders for this prestigious honor, complete with pictures of each. He also started a new job and was working from home. His boss asked him to research and create a spreadsheet. You could probably guess where this is going, but I'll finish the story. After a few hours of number crunching, the guy emailed it off saying, quote, here you go, hoping you enjoy reading it as much as I enjoy preparing it. His boss normally confirms documents right away, so an hour later when he hadn't heard anything, he checked his sent items to make sure the email went out and discovered he'd emailed his boss the porn star spreadsheet. He quickly oh, emailed an apology and the correct spreadsheet. His boss immediately replied, quote, thanks for that. No need to discuss the previous documents. <laughs> no porn need to discuss. I tell you right now, the best thing you could do, don't use the same email for work 
and for personal. You cannot do that. It causes an issue every single time. Well, not only that, how about you make a, a document like that? Don't put it in the same file with all your other documents. No? Why don't you just handwrite it? Well, That'd be better. You had to put it in a spreadsheet? I mean, come on, man. Jeez. <laughs> or maybe find something else to do during the lockdown? I don't know. That's a great call. That's also a very good call. All right, how about this one? <clears throat> Police in Vietnam are investigating a factory found to be recycling more than 300,000 used condoms for resale. 300,000 used condoms for resale. Yeah. A tip led investigators to raid the factory where they found the used condoms being washed, reshaped, and repackaged for sale. The owner of the factory has confessed. Oh, my gosh. Well, there's been a few stories you've read to me that I haven't had much to say. <laughs> This is probably the second. This, this to me is just, I mean, that's complete lunacy. I'm just glad the investigators got that tip. A woman in Tennessee has broken the Guinness World Record. It's the one for hugging a tree. She hugged a tree for more than 10 hours. Come on. 10 hours hugging a tree. Adrian Long wrapped her arms around a walnut tree for 10 hours and five minutes. A friend organized activities for spectators, including dance, yoga, and meditation. There was a previous world record for this, Ken, lest you think this was the first time this had been attempted. The previous world record for hugging a tree was eight hours and 15 minutes. The records for being the biggest idiot. They found some idiot to hug a tree for 10 hours. I mean, come on, I, these, some of these records, I, I, I'm gonna go out tomorrow here in the fine area of Rocky River and find a tree and hug it for 10 hours and five minutes. Go for 10 hours and six minutes. No, I want to tie just to make it worse. Be great. An Oregon woman had to dispute a report from her bank saying she was dead. The woman had to tell the bank she was not dead. Earlier this year, Judy Kashner's estate got a letter from Wells Fargo saying she had died. Then. When she and her husband tried to refinance their home, her income was not available because they believed she was deceased. The refinance problem was eventually worked out, and Wells Fargo is now investigating how it could have passed inaccurate information along, since it typically requires a death certificate to certify that a customer has died. I, I just want to let you know, you're dead. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That's a killer story. Every time. Yep. All right. Well, that uh, you know when you when you do a death story, that's usually the that's usually the place to kill the segment. So uh, let's end uh, this week's collection of Klopp's clips. Why did the Scarecrow win an award? Because he was outstanding in his field. That joke was horrible. Wrapping up.
another episode of Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland, Ted. And I'll tell you, at times, when we talk to some of these different guests that come on our show, sometimes I feel like, what am I doing in my life? And I, I felt that after talking to Zach Striffler, I mean, he's, he's doing his own podcast, similar to us, but he, he's playing professional rugby. God bless him, man. He, he hey. is a man among men. The younger generation already taking us down. That's Perfect. right. Ken, we have some, some Facebook likes. Can you want to do those? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Marge Newton, Farella Zumo, Michael Hawes, Debbie Erb, and Ben Marthy. All right. And Ted, if, if I want... wanted to find us on Instagram and Twitter, where in God's green earth would I go to find out about two middle-aged men in Cleveland? Tell me well, now. Well, you would take the numbers and letters of the each word of the title of the show, and you'd go to 2-M-A-M-I-C-L-E. 2-M-A-M-I-C-L-E. Now, Love it. do you know what else you can do if you want to contact us? Well, Ted, you can leave us a voicemail, ask a question, or go to anchor.fm backslash 2-M-A-M-I-C-L-E. There's a link to the right and a little plus sign with the word message, not massage, message. No, that's Click a different that, site. You can leave a message. Yeah. Ask a question, and we'll answer those questions on a future episode. Massage, I think that's... Uh... I think that's a site affiliated with that uh, factory in Vietnam. Yeah, I don't think we can do that. People no, leave us a message and we not. give them a massage. That's, I don't think anyone's looking for that either. Well, Ken, next week on the show, journalist and talk show host Carmen Angelo is going to join us. Lots of unique life experiences for Carmen. Obviously, I know him pretty well from working at WTAM. He's got a great story about coverage of the John Demyanyuk case. He was also a bad boy for the Cleveland Indians for a couple of years. Holy cow, no kidding. Wow, that's awesome. Stories to share, so we're looking forward to talking to him next week. My big question is, during that interview, I have a feeling Carmen Angela might mention something about St. Edward High School. I'm well, just going to throw that out there. That's, that's a possibility. That's certainly a possibility. That's right. I mean, we must be paying a big cash knowing that he's going to be on a podcast with two guys that went to Ignatius. Well, uh, no, we just got him a pizza. If anybody knows anything about oh. Carmen, free food, and he'll be here. Every time. Yeah, twice on Sunday. All right, well, until next weekend, please uh, take us out. Ted, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV, custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.